Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep The Mining Podcast. Um, And today I'm joined by Steve Poulton, who is the founder um, of Altus Strategies PLC, who are listed on the London and Toronto Stock Exchange. Um, Altus Strategies are a project and royalty generator in the mining sector with a focus on Africa. Um, Their company creates value by making mineral discoveries across multiple licenses, um, like I said, in Africa. Um, I'm sure Steve will give us a more in-depth of um, more in-depth around uh, the company. So I'd like to welcome, like to welcome Steve. Hi Rob, how are you doing? Thanks yeah, for the talk. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. So um just want to obviously first of all go through um find a little bit about yourself, how you were obviously how you got into in, into the industry, obviously from graduation, how your sort of career developed. Um just go through that before we actually go on to um alter strategies and explain a little bit more about the company. So um how did you what, what did you study and how did you get into the mining industry? Thanks, Rob. Uh, well, it's a good question, actually. Um, uh, it all started off doing a geology degree at Southampton University. And uh, after that, I went to do a master's degree at the Campbell School of Mines in mining geology. And after that, I moved back to Southampton, uh, where my um, girlfriend and now wife uh, was uh, finishing up her degree. Uh, and while I was there, I was uh, obviously looking for work. Um, the Briex scandal had just occurred. Yeah. Uh, so that was a tough uh, time in the mining sector in the late 90s. Um, I was very lucky to find an advertisement for uh, a junior exploration company that was looking for an office manager. And as times were tough, I phoned them up and said, I'd very much like to do that job. Um, uh, the office management I'll do on the side, but I also I can, I'm pretty good with my French. Uh, I've got these various qualifications. I'd love to join the team. And, and luckily enough, I got the job. That's pr- pretty yeah. easy then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I fell on my, I fell on my feet, um, and uh, which is great. And and uh, sorry, I came up and uh, joined the team at Mano River Resources, as it was called uh, then, and uh, almost doubled the team uh, with the other individual uh, key individual being uh, Dr. Tom Elder, who was the chief executive officer of okay. that company, was previously with Rio Tinto and a very well known and very, very well regarded geologist. Um, the company itself was headed up by an entrepreneur uh, called Guy Pass. And uh, Guy was uh, actually a serial entrepreneur in, in the mining and oil and gas sectors and had had some success in uh, a gold business in Tanzania called Samax, uh, which was successfully or had successfully been taken out just a couple of years earlier. And uh, ostensibly, Mana River was repeating the success of, um, of that Samax company by looking for highly prospective geology in Africa uh, that was slightly at a sort of emerging market stage and the countries it focused on for that reason were Liberia, Sierra Leone and Guinea and it was looking for uh, gold, diamonds and iron ore uh, deposits so 
it was it was a it was a company that was in operating in three countries in effectively eventually three commodities and it was listed on the London Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange and it had a very small team um, so it was a actually it was a really good opportunity uh, in terms of starting your career for, for getting you ready for what this industry can be like yeah. when markets are tough yeah and then then where did you uh, move on to next well um, in uh, 2002, I think it was, uh, with a couple of former university colleagues, we created a company uh, called Ariana Resources uh, with the blessing of uh, my colleagues at Mano. And it was a Turkish gold exploration business. And I, I left Mano in uh, 2004 to focus on Ariana. And we listed that on the London Stock Exchange in 2005. Um, and then at the same time, I'd created a company in 2004 called African Aura Resources, which was focusing on uh, Cameroon and Liberia for gold and iron. And we listed that company on the Toronto Stock Exchange in 2008. Uh, and in the meantime, I think it was 2007, I rejoined Manor River as a, as a director. Um, so a number of things flowed from my time at Manor River based on the crash course and intense experience that I gleaned under the stewardship of, of Guy and Tom and also people like Malcolm Byrne, uh, who's, who's very well known and, and is very sage in the mining sector. Um, yeah, so we created Altus itself as a company that we're now uh, running in 2007. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, from from hearing your career, um, it seems that you've, you have risen to quite a high level in a short space of time. Um, and it seems that you do have your, you do have an entrepreneur sort of mindset. It, 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 was that the case? Is that what you set out to do? Well, it's always flattering to think so, um, but I think it was just a lack of competition. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and but I guess, the, the to be fair, probably a, a, an appetite to work hard. Uh, and I think once you have some drive and determination, then, then you know, so much can be achieved uh, and, and problems you know, get dealt with and, and don't overcome you. So I guess there's an element of entrepreneurialism within that, but I think Many people that instinctively go into the mining sector are inherently somewhat entrepreneurial um, because it does require a little bit of lateral thinking um, and the ability to get things done. Um, so, yeah, but, but also the, the lack of competition is also was also a, a telling feature in that um, when we created Ariana, the, the, the three uh, co-founders of that, um, Kerem Senna, Matthew Granger and I, uh, were probably the youngest management team running a junior company and, and I believe that, that listed a junior company. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was an open goal, and, and we were ready to step up to the to the plate. Yeah, would you say you obviously would you say you had different skills to some of your other people that you may have studied with, um, or was it more to do with your vision as to what you wanted to do? Obviously, become a little bit more of an entrepreneur, uh, and did you sort of learn these skills, pick them up? Did you already have them, um, or was it just a desire to be? a ceo and own a mining company oh, wow that's a good question uh how long have you got um, <laughs> as, uh, long, as long as you want i think the um again people off of the the mining geology course at, at Camborne were were you know not quite an elite group but they were you know they were very good at what they wanted to do and, and who they were and where they were going um and i guess from my personal perspective i always had an ambition to uh, work for myself. Uh, not that that's ever possible because you always need a team. Yeah. Um, but that was always a driving factor. And also I, I didn't want to hang around. Um, I wasn't prepared to, to do a, a sort of a 40 or 
50 year career and, and end up with a with a watch or whatever you get at the end of it. Yeah. Um, I was I was kind of keen to see what was possible in a shorter space of time uh, available um, and and do everything I could to get there. So there was a lot of drive and ambition. And, and but that's not unique. Um, you see that in a lot of people and, and especially in the mining sector. Yeah. Uh, now, and then, of course, um, being quite lucky along the way, uh, everyone has various individual setbacks and challenges, but a bit of luck here or there doesn't doesn't uh, go amiss. And meeting the right people and getting very strong mentoring in the early days, um, I would say, is was a crucial factor in allowing myself and, and the teams that we've worked that I've worked with um, to uh, be uh, successful. Um, and uh, I think that mentoring side is something that certainly uh, at Altus we're very keen on uh, replicating or, or instilling and to try and help other people uh, get on um, and, and achieve to the best of their capability. Uh, it's certainly a feature of the mining sector right now that um, it's a, an aging demographic and um, in terms of public um, uh, sentiment towards extractive industries, it hasn't necessarily improved over yeah. the last 20 years. and and notwithstanding the demand there is for the electrification of the planet uh, and the uh, a zero carbon future, uh, there is a large gulf in public awareness of where commodities and metals come from, uh, how they're fabricated uh, and what, uh, what it takes to get to uh, the low emission, zero emission future that everyone wants, so wants to achieve. Um, and this, this uh, gap is of let's say this gap in understanding, it, it also is a feature in terms of the number of people who are going into uh, mineral exploration and uh, and mining um, yeah. from, from the traditional sources. That's not yeah. to say that other countries or around the world, which are in the emerging markets and have um, a very good, strong demographic, aren't, aren't going to pick up the bat and do a fantastic job. Um, but the traditional sources of... of um, uh, uh, employees uh, in the mining sector is isn't what it used to be and 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 i think the mining sector has a number of challenges in that in that respect without getting too profound in terms of how it educates or if it needs to even educate but if how it educates uh the public on on, on the good work it does yes yeah, certainly and obviously being a recruiter myself i i obviously see this um important point that you you mentioned was um mentoring and networking and i think for any listeners out there probably less junior or less experience whether you're in geology whether you're in mine engineering any of the disciplines i think it's important in order to develop your career that you you do go out and network and speak to speak to and i suppose liaise and try and get friendly with the more experienced people uh, within the industry, so maybe going to networking events, maybe going to some of the conferences, um, and if you do click with someone that is a lot more experienced, um, it's good for less less experienced um, mining professionals to take on board and listen to those more experienced people and any problems that they have, um, they mm. can obviously help them, and I think that will help with with their careers. Perfect. moving forward yeah absolutely uh i would say um that networking or and, and having a decent network is is one of the, the strongest things that you can have in the mining sector and uh, and there are various ways that you can go about doing it and i remember when back in i think probably 1997 or six or seven or that sort of time 
um, there were the there's a monthly sundowner uh, in London yeah. uh, last Thursday of the month, and I remember going to those early on when I was just finishing up my master's degree to try and get integrated into the the mining space. I specifically didn't necessarily want to be a, an exploration geologist. I wanted to get more into the commercial um, and investment side of the business. Um, and so those mining sundowns were a good opportunity to network with people who were working in an investment banks back then. Yeah. I, I was very lucky to have done my master's thesis with um, Mark Wellesley Wood, who, fought, who unfortunately and very sadly passed away very recently. Um, and he was a really generous person with his time and his spirit um, to help sponsor uh, my thesis uh, with Climate Benson, as he was with then. Uh, looking at large scale, actually was looking at the investment thesis between uh, investing in, in the exploration and development of large copper projects or small to medium sized copper projects on returns to shareholders and what generated the, the best returns. It was a fascinating study. But back then you could go to the sundown and you could you could meet five or six uh, people who are actively working in, in the investment banks as analysts or researchers or, or in corporate finance and hugely valuable in terms yeah. of team. And that, that was followed by... Um, Charlie White, um, who um, went on to um, run the, the Mindsight uh, franchise, and um, they were also a fantastic networking opportunity. So trying to get along to those things as much as possible early in the career uh, was great at establishing contacts who are, are still contacts today um, from those events. Yeah, I know those events still run, uh, I think, once a month, so they, they are still going. Yeah. Um, hopefully people listen to this, especially in the UK or if you're over in the UK during during the times when they're on, maybe um, if you haven't been before, maybe it's worth uh, worth going. Definitely going can't, can't recommend it enough. And the, mining is a small industry and, and networking is a vital element. And one of the um, initiatives that we sort of got involved with a little bit was something called the Oxford Mining Club. Yep. And um, that is something where... Uh, a few individuals gathered in in uh, Oxfordshire, uh, 2010, I think it was, or 11, uh, in order to basically um, talk about mining in a social context, and uh, that was the uh, basically the, the the formation of of what is now the Oxford Mining Club, and and it's a, an event with you know s- several thousand people involved with it, and we have. Um, three or four events a year, uh, which are including dinners and, and lunches and drinks receptions. And they're hugely popular because it's an opportunity for people to simply network uh, in an environment where they're not being sold anything. Yeah. Um, and that, that is, is often the best, uh, yeah. best environment to network in. Um, and and we get fantastic feedback from all of those things. Now, Altus w- worked with Justin Tooth um, to, to create uh, the help create the Oxford Mining Club, but it's really run and owned. Um, actually, there's a management team that, that run it, and they do a fantastic job. Um, yeah. um, but but it's 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 a it's a product of its members, um, and uh, and I can see it still being around in a hundred hundred years time. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And how do if if anyone listening would like to attend, is there what do they have to go through um, an application process at all, or do, or do they? have to um, apply to go? Or... Yeah, there's an the, Oxford Mining Club website and okay. uh, you can contact uh, the Oxford Mining Club through that and get on the mailing uh, list and, uh, and, and and then you'll get you'll receive various invitations um, to, to the events. Okay. Uh, it's really yeah. straightforward. Um, and also, I guess, addressing the um, 
subject about mentoring, we also, Altus helped uh, create something called the Resource IQ, yeah. which is a series of networking dinners that we co-host often with a, with a recruitment uh, group, um, most recently with Stratum International. We've been yeah. very generous with that one. Um, and uh, we, we, we tend to get 20 to 24 people in, in a room um, and uh, with a balance of maybe 50% seasoned mining executives and professionals. Um, and 50% uh, the next generation of, of upcoming recent graduates or people who are maybe five years into their, 10 years into their career, who are looking to, to move up and, and meet people that wouldn't, they wouldn't traditionally be able to meet in a social context um, and have informal communications with and, and then afterwards, um, you know, keep in contact with. Yeah. Uh, and they've, they've proven to be, uh, again, very, very heartwarming, very productive, um, very useful, and, and we've had fabulous feedback from them. And Altus doesn't necessarily get um, directly anything back from from doing that initiative. Um, obviously, it's nice to be in the room with with what we think are are the current and future leaders um, of the industry. Uh, can't avoid that. That's a, that's great positive to us. But also, it's it's nice to be able to contribute something back in the hope that uh, from let's say every dinner that we do, one or two really valuable connections come out of it for people, and and it, it not necessarily career changing, but it certainly helps them in one, one way or another down the line. Yeah, certainly. And I can see a common theme through what you've done and what you're what you're creating with these two with these two clubs like the Oxford Mining Club and um, Resource IQ. It's around networking and building those relationships. And it seems that you've done that quite consistently consistently throughout your throughout your career which is good. And again, for people that are listening, um, it is very important to, to do that, to align yourself with like-minded people, but also more experienced people and have that regular interaction. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's absolutely essential. And it's good. Thanks for saying that. But it is absolutely essential, uh, I think, as, as part of uh, anyone's career uh, in, in the resource sector to, and also to Make sure that um, you know they they treat people well and and um, you know they, it's it's a it's a long it's a long game um, yeah. and uh, you know it's, there's no point um, uh, getting on the wrong side of people unnecessarily and and the world is made up of different types of people and some you get on with and some you don't and, and there's a, there's probably some in between yeah. um, but at the end of the day uh, from what you're trying to achieve is is without being too hard headed about it is a return uh, for your shareholders. Um, and you want to try and minimise their risks and maximise their returns, and uh, and it's good if you can you can profit from that along the way. But um, you have to be prepared to to put up your time and your and I believe your money as well to align yourself with uh, with the people who are investing in you. Yeah, um, just want to move away from from your career before we go and speak about um, alter strategies. Obviously, you've done you've done a lot of work in Africa. Um, yeah. Was there a fo uh, reason why you focused your sort of career in Africa? Well, I'd go back to Mana River. Um, that company was in West Africa, and with African Aura, we then created a company that was in, also in Cameroon. Um, and the reason that both of those businesses were in Africa primarily was the combination of prospectivity. Uh, in other words, you can go and find stuff, uh, but also the ability to um, actually acquire the licenses to explore and, and develop the mines. So in other words, it wasn't a situation where you, you were prohibited from getting the ground or it was too competitive. Um, so that combination of uh, ability to find mines and ability to build mines 
uh, is critical, obviously. Um, and uh, Africa is a is a vast continent. Yeah. You can fit so much of the world's surface and other, other countries into into the continent of Africa. Uh, it's just um, phenomenal. But also, um, and I guess related to that, um, it's it's very prospective, but but underexplored. And um, the average depth of discoveries in Africa is sort of 10 or 12 meters below surface, whereas in more established, mature mining destinations in, in Australia or, or the US or Canada, you know, you're talking about 150 or 200 meters depth. And that requires expensive drilling and it requires expensive geophysics, which sometimes gives you good indications, but not always of, of exactly what you're going to find uh, deeper down. And from a junior exploration standpoint, where you have a lot of risks uh, in your uh, in your line of work, uh, the primary one of which is not finding something, uh, your shareholders are tolerating those risks on the hope that you do make a discovery. Uh, then it, it seems totally logical that you focus your very uh, precious dollars, exploration dollars, on where you can find things uh, m- most cost efficiently and fastest. Yeah. And so Africa ticks all of those boxes. And uh, that's why we're focused there is is um, you can find things quickly. Yeah. Um, obviously, being a recruiter um, at the moment, obviously, I see not too much happening in the um, geology and exploration space. And obviously, you've got a, a background in geology. How do you see the exploration and geology sort of discipline or sector um, from now moving forward? Because it does seem it doesn't seem that busy or that active um i I don't know if you see it differently um i certainly do i don't see too many jobs at this at this particular time um and i hear a lot of different people saying different things what's your perspective on on geology and with companies doing exploration yeah i think that um the, the the market um did quite well uh from 2009 to 2011 um, and you could argue that it did too well. Uh, not not only were you bouncing off the bottom of the, the financial crisis, uh, which was sort of supercharged with um, low interest rates and, and quantitative easing, um, you also had the gold price um, doubling effectively. And a lot of um, speculative capital moved into the, into the sector. So exploration budgets went really high and, and management teams ballooned and and uh, actually quite a lot of exploration was done and, and even until after quite some time after the, the the downturn started which was kind of late 2011 exploration was, was going on but since that time really it's it's been a, a sharp uh, and steady decline with a with uh, a slight bounce in uh, late 16 um or 16 um which was uh, quite refreshing to see you know an improvement in sentiment but actually it's backed off again since then and, and I think you're right in the sense that there's there's not a huge amount of discussion and, and there's not a strong vibe right now, um, generally, broadly speaking, globally uh, about exploration. Um, and it's really suffered. Um, but there are two or three things you could add to that, which to say that the um, there are some fantastic exploration stories out there which are making some great discoveries and advancing them towards production or if not already into production. So there's been some real bright spots, um, and including in, in Africa. Um, during that period, and uh, and also it's a very cyclical industry. Yeah. Um, so um, one of the things that Altus, uh, the company we we created, uh, is attempting to do is to be counter cyclical. And uh, so when the market started to turn down in 
2011, we, we sort of started staking ground quite aggressively um, and uh, built the platform that we have today. And, and the, the lack of exploration or relative lack of exploration um, that is uh, that we're seeing right now will only is only basically inflating uh, the opportunity for the future. And uh, when there there'll be a switch at some point where it's becoming too apparent that M&A isn't the only way to grow. It's a way to grow your business, but effectively that is that route becomes exhausted and people need organic growth through discovery. And uh, there'll be a realization that there simply aren't enough assets to go around. And uh, that will cause the value of those assets, those discovery plays and the exploration companies that have them to increase in value. Yeah. Uh, so we are we're preparing ourselves for that um, that earthquake when it happens. Um, it, it's not happening now, um, and we're busy continuing to build out our platform. And I think a number of other teams are doing the same. Um, so that's kind of where we are broadly. But if you look, step back a, a bit further, I would say that the, the mining industry isn't isn't um, totally um, unaffected by by advances in technology. And in fact, you're seeing some fantastic examples of of technology making dramatic improvements in efficiency and safety. Um, in the mining sector. So you're getting fully automated mines or almost fully automated mines, things like uh, Siama that uh, resonate yeah. advancing, which is just fantastic to see and, and is the future. And, and it's wonderful that you've got companies out there who are who are putting their um, stake in the ground and making it happen because they are the, the, the leaders. Um, but also in, in the exploration uh, field, uh, it is only a matter of time before drones are used more intensively uh, and and in um, in packs almost to undertake surveys rapidly, uh, multi-element uh, surveys, geophysical surveys, and basically create large automated uh, automatically generated data sets that can be also interpreted using algorithms that you pre-program to define the characteristics that you're looking for for certain uh, commodities that then mean that your geological teams can zone in very quickly on the on the highest priority areas. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but you can get glimpses of it and, and where that is going to go, which is a, a very exciting uh, development. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, from what you just mentioned, uh, obviously, automation. Um, I did interview uh, John Walbourne um, from uh, uh, Armour. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, uh, that's, that's on an earlier podcast. Um, and he did explain, uh, obviously, the advances that they're doing, mm-hmm. having a fully automated uh, mine and what the advantages are, are of having a fully automated mine. So, um, so yeah, I, I know a little bit about that. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously also drones. You mentioned about drones. I'm, I'm actually um, speaking to uh, one particular person, um, Lester Kemp, who I obviously I've also done a podcast with. Um, and he's 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 doing a lot with uh, with drones and seeing that as a uh, as an advantage for some mining companies to we obviously with these drones it is getting a different perspective of what you can do um, with a with a drone and yep. how how advantage that could be for for the mining industry. Yep, and I think you know we are um, it, we're in the early days of of the technology advancing it is advancing quite quickly so um people will look back in 15 years time and and chuckle slightly at the technology that we're using now um but this is what we've got to to use and it's already um valuable and it'd be the norm it would be the norm then absolutely it'll be the norm yeah Yeah. yeah. it will become a a big data technology play uh and and so it should be um you know it's it's very uh 19th century to wander around with a hammer 
uh, <laughs> looking for things. Um, and I'm not saying that's what we do necessarily. We use, we try and use um, GIS and remote sensing to the, to the maximum capability, but yeah. the exploration process should be uh, fully automated almost at yeah. some point. Yeah. I mean, you, you think, look at other industries uh, using technology and, and they do say mining is not backwards, but they're probably not at the forefront of any new technology. Um, yeah. But it does seem to be increasing. And I think I think these these new technologies will eventually come into into mining, maybe at a slower rate than other industries. Uh, but like you said, in 15 years time, some of this will be uh, will be the norm. Yep, and also this, I think it, it, it'll be linked to the, a lot of money has gone into tech stocks, technology plays, and uh, there's been a lot of capital that's been allocated, and it's done very well in, in those spaces because of the electrification of, of, of the planet and, and the on-demand nature of everything, but ultimately, uh, all products either need to be grown or, or mined, and yeah. uh, it seems logical that only it's only a matter of time before the, the, the capital and resources, human and financial, are directed towards mining in order to uh, capitalize on the value of, of these metals that are in the ground that will will help uh, fuel the future yeah um, so it's it, it's probably just a matter of time before the market uh, let's say that's kind of outside of the mining sector wakes up to the opportunity in mining yeah just before we spoke uh, speak about uh, alter strategies um what challenges do you see the industry facing sort of moving forward maybe over the next five or ten years uh, that's a, another good question. Um, th- there are a few challenges. Obviously, it's it's great to have the the optimistic case um, always at the front of your mind. But there, there are issues that, that the mining sector uh, currently faces and, and will face. And I guess some of those relate down to um, the the nature of the markets um, and also in, in, and by that I mean how you finance the process of exploration and mining. Um, and some of them relate to the demands, increasing demands for uh, commodities, especially for, for copper, but maybe also for gold in due course, um, if the current financial policies are carried all the way through. Um, and it, the issues are perhaps um, more insulated to the traditional Western companies as we see ourselves. So the Australian and, and Canadian and, and British explorers and developers may have uh, may have challenges, but it may be opportunities for for non-Western uh, groups. Um, I guess you could boil it down into a few things. There's, it's critical for, um, and it's increasingly more apparent that people want to see evidence of um, companies having a social license when they operate. Yeah. Um, make sure that um, they uh, leave a positive, lasting impression. Um, that they uh, are good corporate citizens and um, all of the things that we've, you know, second nature that you, you come to expect. But there, there's an element of, of the mining sector needing to showcase that uh, and that it's doing a good job and that any bad examples where it's not being done properly or, or at all are driven out of the of the space. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of, kind of key. Um, from a regulatory standpoint, I would, I would say that there's probably a number of uh, management teams in the junior resource space who, uh, notwithstanding some good exploration success and and um, and first class teams, um, find it a bit of a battle uh, being a, a publicly traded company um, with, with the amount of um, regulations that there are for uh, small companies to trade um, and uh, the various legal requirements and, and documentation um, and that takes up management time and, and it takes shareholder money. 
um, and that uh, and using that social license correctly it also takes up some time and money, which is a good thing, but it is what it is. And there are, let's say, companies out there or, or, or um, groups out there that are, aren't operating necessarily under the same rule book uh, as, as, as our good selves. And they can perhaps move faster and do things that aren't appropriate and, and that are frankly illegal. Um, and ensuring that the, the, the groups that have the best interests at heart uh, are the ones that succeed is a bit of a challenge for the industry. Um, so that you, you can see a situation where the, some players out of the emerging markets start to, or are already, I would say, recognizing the importance of um, the exploration and mining sector and the strategic value of, let's say, the rare earths or copper um, and want to have a security of supply and will go in and negotiate terms with governments to secure those assets uh, to the detriment of uh, other uh, investors um, because they don't necessarily need to abide by the same regulations. And that might be a challenge for the industry as we know it. Um, there will still be an industry, um, but th that is a, probably something that um, I'm not sure what the solution is uh, for that, um, but that, that's an issue. Yeah, certainly. Okay, I want to move on now and talk about um, outer strategies. Um, for people out there that may not know of you, um, can you can you explain a little bit about your company, um, how you work, and sort of what is your business model? Yeah, sure. Um, well, Altus, as we, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're we're listed in London and in and in uh, Canada. We set ourselves up in two thousand and seven, and we are in the project and royalty generation business. Um, and basically, what that means is. Uh, as a group, uh, we look to expose our shareholders to the value that can be created through making discoveries, which we think is phenomenal, and it's proven to be such. If you get in early and make that discovery, and, and the as that as the value of that asset is realised, it can be done so very quickly and and to the benefit of the people that that make the discovery. So that's great. But we also provide our shareholders with um, a potential um, perpetual income stream uh, from the royalties. So as we make a discovery. Uh, we look to partner our projects with industry uh, groups who uh, finance the next stages of exploration. That helps reduce the burden that our shareholders have to uh, pay for, in other words, to finance that work. Um, and at the end of it, they, the shareholders have a, um, a, a stake in the asset, uh, maybe a small stake, maybe a 30% stake, or it may even be less. Um, they will have received some uh, cash along the way and some securities in, in the partner, hopefully. Uh, as part of the transaction, and they'll have a, a royalty uh, on that asset. So as that asset goes into production, then over the next uh, five or 10 or 20 years of that, the mine life of that asset, uh, they'll receive an income stream from it. Uh, and we feel that this is a, a fantastic, in fact, the sweet spot, I would describe it, the blend uh, of risk and return. Um, sure, we take some risks early on going into frontier destinations in Africa, uh, and speaking to the point of you know, that we, that we made earlier, you have to be able to make discovery and you have to be able to develop a, dis a discovery. And we find that going to the, the, the frontier destinations uh, is is how you do that. Um, so we're in uh, Cameroon and Mali, uh, Ethiopia, Morocco, Liberia and Ivory Coast. Uh, we have uh, exposure to or shells of exposure to copper projects, gold projects, uh, iron ore projects, bauxite projects and, and other uh, base metals. Um, and uh, our partners um, finance exploration on those assets that we, we discover. And so the, 
the risk exposure suddenly drops. Uh, you have a diversification uh, geopolitically and uh, in the commodity space. And uh, we have the capital from doing transactions to go on and grow the business organically uh, without necessarily returning to shareholders for further capital. Um, so as I say, it's a, it's a very decent um, business model. Uh, it's one that uh, is uh, strongly backed by uh, the management team here. We have a a 35% stake in the company. We're all investors in the business and, and we're supported by some very sophisticated shareholders who also understand uh, the, the, the opportunity and the dynamic. Um, but it's not, uh, let's say, an easy business model to execute, but we think having been doing it for nearly 10 years now, we really understand what we're doing. Um, we're trying to capitalize, as I mentioned, on the cyclical nature of the industry by staking all of these opportunities, making discoveries, and uh, entering partnerships uh, with the expectation that in due course uh, the value of these discoveries will go up and potentially very significantly and in the meantime our shareholders um, don't have uh, the, the normal exposure that, that they would have to a traditional junior exploration company. Yeah. Why, what do you look for in a, uh, in a project and why do you invest in that particular project that you're that you're discovering. I take it obviously you'll probably have a look at many projects and then you will pick a, a percentage or pick certain ones. What what are you actually looking for? Well, we, we are, um, our business model is primarily generative exploration to, to start with in terms of how we generate our projects. So we're really looking at uh, the geology of, of Africa and then we're looking at the jurisdictions where we feel that we can operate. And then within that subset of, of the Venn diagram, we're looking for those areas which have the geology and where you can operate, but which aren't currently fashionable. Um, and so in other words, we can go to the Ministry of Mines and we can apply for licenses on ground that we want. Um, and we'll make those applications based on having undertaken a, a, a deep uh, remote sensing study on a, a regional, on an area, and uh, whittling that down to a number of key targets that we'd like to apply for uh, and then putting in our applications. And, and generally, we're very successful in securing the licenses that we apply for. Uh, the ground is open and, and we then start explore, exploring those areas. If we find that uh, we're, you know, our, our office desk-based work wasn't um, wasn't successful and that the, actually the ground isn't that perspective and we're not finding something, then we'll try and uh, relinquish that license as quickly as possible to avoid our shareholders having to suffer any any unnecessary costs exploring further on it yeah, yeah. but if we find something then it's a question of uh, getting a partner in to take the project forward take it through the drilling phases uh, take it into production eventually uh, with our shareholders having a having a carry i, I would say there was um, one of a good example of how we've done this it would be in cameroon where early on uh, we staked uh, some licenses for bauxite I think we we're the largest landholder in the country uh, at that time or at a time since. And uh, we staked some uh, some bauxite ex uh, licenses uh, near to a known bauxite occurrence. We then entered a joint venture with an Australian company called Canyon Resources. Um, Canyon effectively refunded our exploration costs uh, to that point, which was only minimal. Um, and they gave us some equity in their company. And then they committed to spend over two phases, $6 million dollars, uh, to earn a 70% stake in the asset. Um, now, during that process, uh, some of our geologists were also used, so our, our cost of operating in country uh, went down. 
and uh, Canyon pulled, uh, pulled off a fantastic deal by acquiring a license adjacent to our JV uh, on, a, on, a, on a project called Minim Martap, which I think is, if not the, then one of the world's highest grade um, and largest uh, bauxite discoveries. Okay. It's a fantastic asset. And as part of that transaction, Altus is in the process of vending our joint venture into uh, Canyon for further equity. And we'll end up with, um, subject to the deal uh, closing, we'll end up with uh, five or six million dollars worth of shares of uh, Canyon. Um, and our share, our investment in the project to discover what we were doing was was about a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. And we were fund we were funded that in cash. Yeah. So that kind of captures uh, the business model that we're trying to do in a better market. The numbers would be bigger in terms of our returns, but we think that Canyon is incredibly well positioned now. They trade on ASX. And uh, as the market realizes what they've got hold of there, then we'd expect the value of uh, our shareholding to go up uh, considerably there. Yeah. Obviously, I suppose on your website, you have some of the, the projects and venture, joint ventures that you're involved in. Yep. Um, why would investors put their money into auto strategies? I guess it all boils down to the risk return profile that we offer. Um, you've got, uh, I think when you're making any investment, you need to back solid management teams. I think we've, uh, touch wood, I think we've got one of those. Uh, people that have record in um, making discoveries. Uh, people have got a track record in making shareholders money doing the, the same thing that they've done before. Um, so assuming that you've whittled that, your, your potential investment opportunities down to groups that are like that, then I think uh, Altus offers a fantastic risk return profile. Um, we are uh, diversified by numerous projects. Uh, we are diversified by commodities. We are diversified by geography. Uh, we have our expiration costs uh, financed by third parties at the earliest possible opportunity. We maintain exposure to the upside from discoveries and uh, we get paid cash and, uh, uh, and shares along the way which are reinvested into the group to uh, finance the organic growth of the company. And, and finally, we, we're generating a stream of uh, royalties, which over the long term, uh, we believe will have fantastic value for our investors. Um, so I guess there's a, there's a number of reasons why, uh, why investors should look at Altus and, and we think should, should become shareholders of Altus. And, and it does boil down to the risk return profile. We, we offer the, the exploration upside um, but we think we've mitigated a lot of the, the traditional downside you get from investing in, in, in exploration and discovery. Yeah. Um, just the last five minutes or so, just want to ask, uh, ask you a quick few fire questions. Why do you enjoy mining? I think it probably boils down to uh, how varied uh, and uh, exciting it is. Um, no two days are the same. Uh, you have the chance of creating something from nothing. Um, there are inordinate hurdles uh, in that process, um, and but the prize is is fantastic if you're able to achieve it. Um, so it's it's an exciting industry. Yeah, I think I may know this answer, but who's the most influential person on your on your career, or who has been the most influential person? Uh, actually, there's there's more than one. Yeah. Uh, I would say, um, there's, and there's you know people like Miles, Mark Wellesley Wood who. Uh, Kind enough to um, to get me going at uh, with a with a thesis MSc thesis at Campbell. Um, people like Charlie Kerno, unfortunately, was also passed away. Uh, who was at, at Parry Bar back in the day and and uh, took me for a sandwich lunch and 
told me about the mining sector as he saw it before before I graduated. Yeah. Um, but obviously, people like uh, Tom Elder, who was my first boss at, at Manor River, uh, Guy Pass, uh, who effectively employed me uh, to begin with, um, and uh, people like Malcolm Byrne. Yeah, I think those 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 three individuals uh, between them have um, an inordinate amount of uh, expertise and and um, ability to to teach you things and some of it's directly and some of it's indirect at what you've learnt and you know I owe a huge debt of thanks to them but but also you know my current colleagues that I have here at Altus um, you know people like David Netherway uh, the chairman of Altus mining engineer with over 35 years of experience has built numerous gold mines across Africa and and in China um, you know there are so many people that uh, create uh, influences on on you uh, it would be impossible to narrow it down to just one. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, is this still? Is there anything you still want to achieve? Well, in the uh, industry, <laughs> I think the front and centre is uh, uh, creating a, a fantastic amount of value for the shareholders of of Alta Strategies. Yeah. Uh, that that is when when you wake up and when you go to sleep, that is what you think about, um, and uh, you do that by by being successful in the field and making discoveries and and having those advanced and, and the business model working. So I think first prize and and the next goal is to do that um regardless of of market conditions um so even if these conditions stay with us for, for longer than expected um to still be successful um obviously uh, on the softer side it, it would be nice for just to, to see uh uh initiatives that we've been running you know to to, to keep growing um and to see what, what we can do to try and give back um, not just in the UK, but also in, in the places where we're operating to see the, the fruits of our labor um, helping other people. Um, I think that would be that would be probably be the, the biggest prize. But uh, front and center today uh, is to make out a success. Yeah. Um, and lastly, what advice would you give um, any sort of mining professionals? And I suppose looking at less experienced mining professionals, um, what advice would you give them in how they can develop and better their careers? Um, well, um, I think that, was it Rockefeller who said that the key to success was to wake early, work hard, strike oil? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but I think I think not everyone can guarantee that they're going to strike oil. Um, so I think you probably have to take away from that working hard. Um, there's no two ways about it. Uh, you get out what you put in. Um, if I was to give one... Uh, one bit of advice to anyone who wanted to get on, um, it would be to um, work as hard as you can. Um, and through that, through your work and your determination, you will uh, be lucky uh, and you may strike oil. Um, and you'll certainly get to meet some very uh, important and interesting people who may then help go on and shape your career and, and your life. Um, and while you're working hard, you've got to enjoy it. Yeah, certainly. Um, you got to find the, the bright spots and uh, and enjoy them and, and and take on all the challenges you can uh, and make a success of it. So, uh, but it all it does all boil down to to determination. Yeah, and I think um, just going on from that, working obviously working hard, but and obviously you're going to come up against a lot of challenges. Um, I think it's important for anyone that is is struggling and coming up with a lot of challenges within the industry is to reach out to other professionals again like what we talked about earlier about mentorship and networking and if you are having difficulties or having challenges 
is to reach out to those to those people that you've met in the past because I'm sure I'm sure they'd be more than happy to uh, to assist if uh, to help you overcome those challenges. Yep, no, that's that's essential. I agree, um, and I I kind of will put that into the work hard category um, because as you're determined, you know, and you you get yourself in those situations because you're you're in that space and, and you're setting yourself apart a little bit from from the hundred or two hundred or five hundred people that are also competing uh, with you. Um, you will get to know who you should be speaking with, and you'll be invited to uh, industry dinners, um, and you'll find yourself at, at interesting. Um, uh, receptions and, and events um, and you'll get you'll start that process of osmosis really of, of networking with with people and and building that important um, um, sounding board for for your um, direct sounding board and also indirect sounding board which will help guide you through your career so absolutely uh, the mentoring side of it and and learning from what other people can teach you is is uh, is essential yeah well I appreciate your time um, Steve for uh for the, doing this podcast it's uh, been an interesting insight um to obviously your career um and obviously talking about alter strategies and what your plans are for the future um if our audience wants to um get in contact with you how can they go about doing that well uh the easiest way and first off thank you it's been a pleasure rob thanks for thanks for the call um the easiest way is to uh go via our website uh, we have um, uh, an info at altus-strategies.com email address. Um, that'll get through to me, uh, and uh, from there we can, you know, happy to happy to have, take calls and 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 meet people and have them around for coffee. And uh, what we try and do anyway is is do that as much as we can. Is is get uh, especially the the uh, up and coming graduates and recent graduates is is if they show an interest is to invite them for a coffee and and we talk about the mining sector. Um, and you know it's lucky for us because it allows us to to meet the the future leaders and hopefully one day employ some of them and and, and they can start making us money. Yeah, certainly. Are you um, also on social media at all? Uh, LinkedIn, yes. Yeah. Uh, on so you can you can access me access me on on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, um, but the email might be uh, more straightforward. Yeah. Um, alternatively, if you want to uh, ask. Um, Steve, any questions, you can email myself, which is rob at mining-international.org. Um, and any questions I can then uh, forward on to Steve. Um, well, that's, thank you very much for listening uh, to this, uh, this podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed it. hope you got some valuable content. Um, I think Steve did share quite a lot of um, insight, especially to probably more um, less experienced uh, engineers or mining professionals. Um, in what you should do to sort of further your career. So um, really uh, appreciate your time again, Steve. Um, So until uh, next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.